Welcome to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. Now put aside everything you think you know about business practices today and stay right here for the next hour as you're sure to find some surprises and wisdom to help you play the business game right. Now, here is your host, Peter Feinstein. Welcome back to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein, another episode where we, uh, we take a look at life uh, from the eyes of experts in their respective fields. They give us a sense of what works, what doesn't. And if stuff isn't working, uh, the way they bend the rules, break the rules, or sometimes even end up rewriting the rules. And uh, this week's show is no different. So I was thinking to myself, it's like, you know what, we've had, uh, we've had an amazing start to the year in investing. Uh, Wall Street is on a tear, and uh, the bull market that we're seeing uh, seems to be making news, um, gosh, fresh news every single day. It literally seems like there's no end in sight but we're not going to get into um, hyping uh, the market one way or another. Instead, we're going to avoid that rabbit hole altogether because it can become a nightmare, and maybe that's a topic for a completely separate show, not today. My guest this week is a bona fide expert, a certified financial planner with literally over two decades of experience. Um, if you're doing the math and you did it the way I did it, uh, that's somewhere over 40,000 hours of experience if you're doing the math. That makes him an expert in, by any measure, literally. Greg Suarez is here to help us gain some insight into what's at play in the U.S. economy, including how the tax changes may help or hurt us. And then we're going to go beyond the borders of the U.S. to see what's cooking internationally and talk a little bit about emerging markets as well. And I know that from, uh, from previous conversations and my relationship with Greg, uh, he really likes emerging markets. We do this all with an eye at entertaining and informing. Um, Greg is literally here for us to pull back the covers on the mysteries of some of the more relevant financial markets and information and offer us nuggets of wisdom beyond the smoke and mirrors of the media. I get these pictures of these guys on TV and, you know, they're ringing bells and, you know, and playing chimes and, and you know, and all kinds of fancy graphics. We're not going to do that today. A little bit of history um, on Greg. Greg is a uh, financial advisor, as I had said, and a certified financial planner. And if you're you're not aware, that's a pretty significant designation that requires an enormous amount of preparation and testing and continuing education to maintain that designation. Um, and as I said, Greg has over two decades of experience. His extensive training, experience, and expertise means he holds himself to the highest standards um, educationally and ethically. And uh, Greg, welcome to Business Rules. Thank you, Peter. It's great, great to have you here. So, you know, we've, we've got a little bit about where you are today and 20 years of experience. So we can call that you know, the end game, where you end up. Give us some insight on where you started. Good question. Well, I've been living uh, in Arizona now since uh, 87, so... Okay, long yeah, time. Long time, yeah. I, I grew up in the New York area. Yep, me too. <laughs> it was nice, but I was looking for a change of pace. I uh, thought I'd give uh, the Southwest, uh, you know, a year, and here I am all these years later. <laughs> 30 years later. Yeah, I uh, graduated from uh, New York University. Ah, okay. Yeah. 
And, you know, for me, I, I was trying to figure out, well, what, what am I going to do here? Because I, I really liked Arizona. So I got into uh, a franchise business and ah. expanded that for about, about 10 years. Cool. Which kind, what kind of business was that? It was a weight loss company, actually. Excellent. Uh, so we had, uh, we had territories uh, all over the United States and teamed up with a couple other mom-and-pop operations, and we had over 100 centers uh, doing probably about $30 million in, in revenue. <laughs> Pretty significant. Yeah, it was nice. And yeah. they, you know, then from there, I, I uh, developed a juice bar and coffee house. Oh, in New Mexico, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, I was going to license and, and um, be on the other side, maybe franchise that. Uh, we built that up and, and decided to sell it. It was more of a lifestyle situation for my family where we decided, you know, we wanted to live here in, in Arizona, and, and that's when I got into uh, the financial planning um, aspects. Gotcha. That's uh, that's pretty remarkable. So NYU, living in and growing up um, in the New York area, what were you like in high school? How would you describe yourself um, in high school? I was a dork and a nerd and like the shortest kid in, you know, as I like to say, I was short for my height. <laughs> right. High school. Wow, that's taking me back. Yeah. Um, I don't know. High school during uh, that time, I, I was... Um, I, I was interested in academics. Um, I, I was also interested in sports. I played a lot of tennis. Um, music was a big part of my life growing up. Oh, so yeah. I, I played a lot of music uh, in high school. Um, what, in, what instruments do you, uh, do you play? Primarily guitar. Okay. That's yeah. great. As a musician, you kind of tinker on other instruments as well. And and uh, yeah, still have a lot of a lot of friends from my high school days. That's which, amazing. That is, uh, is that's great. Yeah, not to give away my age, but I think uh, this coming summer we're getting together for our 40th high school <sighs> reunion. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm literally right behind you. I mean, it's uh, it's so yeah yeah. Welcome to the club. <laughs> it, it's it will be fun. It will be fun seeing a lot of people I haven't seen for a while and you know, reconnecting. That's very cool. I'm glad to hear that. So there's high school and some college and getting us up to the normal, uh, the, the present day in uh, a little bit of the pathway there. Um, here's a question that kind of, um, kind of comes out of the blue and, uh, and there's been absolutely zero prep on this except from me. So sitting here as um, just as a guy, never mind a financial planner, mm -hmm. although your financial planning element may come into play on this. Um, think about this for a moment. And, I, you know, I can do like the, the Jeopardy music if you want that moment so that there's no dead air. But I don't care about dead air because it's not FCC radio. Okay. <laughs> but how would you convince someone to do something they've said they don't necessarily want to do? So, for example, what what are we thinking there? Like, it's you know, it's it's a wide open question. There's there's no specific topic, um, you know, just a just from a general point of view. So, if you wanted to draw on your experience, yeah. um, it could, I mean, you know what? It doesn't even have to be financial planning. Let's say it it goes back, you know, twenty thirty years to your time in the weight loss industry. Yeah, I would say I would I would first try to explore, you know, with uh, the person who uh, is being apprehensive about making that decision. You know, why, you know, um, and is it uh, 
you know, the fear of the unknown. Ah. Uh, really try to get an understanding of what what the objection is and, and, and kind of go from there, you know. That's a good start. That's a really good start because then it's something where you can well, go ahead. You know, let's say, I don't know, stocks. I don't feel anything. You know, I, I feel like all I know is, uh, you know, maybe drawing on some experience that their great grandparents had a bad experience or their parents during the financial crisis um, and 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 trying to, uh, you know, really, again, dig deep in terms of finding out what what why they're apprehensive and and uh, then addressing it from that point of view. Sounds good. So it's uh, it's uh, contextual and relational rather than here's why you need to do it without asking any questions. Yeah, I think so. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody has their own style. It's uh, it's just good to hear uh, good to hear that um, from your side of things. Who have been some of your biggest inspirations up to this point in your life? Hmm. Well, I mean, you know, you could start thinking about. You know, people in history, um, people in in the music industry. I mean, George Harrison, the Beatles, yeah, yeah. Lennon. Uh, then you can think of Gandhi or Einstein. Um, I, you know, I mean, all all those people are just amazing and inspirational. Uh, but you know, you could also think about people who have been an influence uh, in your life as far as your family. Sure. So for me, yeah, for you. For me, it was probably my grandmothers. They were just, just amazing. So supportive, loving, unconditional love. You know, and and so yeah, miss them, but they were a big influence. That's really neat. Me. Now, and so, um, did they? They lived close by to you, and were able to. You were able to see them pretty frequently. Yeah, you know, growing up. Uh, in the 60s and 70s, uh, we, we, you know, again, living in New York, we all live pretty close to each other. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, even going back real early on, I mean, everyone was very close in apartments and, and <laughs> so, and to, so, you know, the family was in, across the country. Sure. Like it might be, like it is today for me. Yeah. My sister's back on the East Coast. My mother's in Florida. And cousins are scattered around and, you know. Yep. So, um, yeah, it was really nice having, having all, all the holidays together. Yeah, that's, that's true. And it's, it was so much easier um, because of that proximity as opposed to having to travel hither and yon to get to see somebody. Yeah, I mean, I would see, I would see my grandparents, I would say, at least weekly. Yeah. Wow. So in relation to, you know, my experience with that, um, my, dad's, uh, my dad's mom, I think, passed away very shortly after I was born. Mm. And so I never got to know her, never got, never got to know her, um, which was too bad. Um, but his dad was alive for um, probably until my early teens. And, uh, and we spoke on the phone um, just about every week. And so it was really cool to connect with him. And it's so funny to remember my experience growing up with him as being, you know, a kind, uh, gentle, uh, kind, gentle soul, really interested in hearing about stuff that was going on with me. And then sometimes hearing 
um, from my from my dad what it was like growing up and sometimes the way he would describe his dad was very different from the way I experienced it. Um, but he was up in Lynn, Massachusetts, and we were in, uh, in Bergen County, New Jersey. So I never got a chance to meet him. But my mom's parents lived uh, relatively close by in um, uh, eastern Pennsylvania. So mm -hmm. it, was, uh, it was literally just a drive across, uh, you know, across the state line, not a big deal. Um, although there were no interstates, okay? So I'm really dating myself and you as far as, because you know, right. Interstate 80 was, um, you know, I think it went as far as, well, I can say is not very, because we took literally two-lane roads. Local roads. Yeah, local roads most of the way. And so those were sometimes, those were challenges. We didn't have uh, the proximity that you had. Um, but you know what? En enough of the family stuff. Um, we're actually coming up to the first break, which is kind of mind-boggling because things just, uh, just move very quickly. Um, but when we come back, we're going to talk to Greg, and Greg is going to share with us um, some of the things that he's been noticing and observing um, about a variety of financial markets. And we're going to start with the U.S. economy, where it's headed. Um, so in the meantime, um, our break is a very short two minutes, just enough time to maybe get up and go to the bathroom if you have to, get up and move around, stretch, or if you're like me, um, I may go get a cup of coffee, but we've got that time to do. So come back um, or stick with us. It'll be two very fast minutes. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com What if you could save 55% or more on your TV advertising? We're Higher Power Marketing, and we can probably save you at least 55% on your TV ad buys. Don't believe me? That's okay. Just go to hpowermarketing.com and see and hear real success stories from real clients. Then ask us to show you how we can save you money too. Go to hpowermarketing.com. That's hpowermarketing.com. Exceptional media for less. That's hpowermarketing.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think half of your company's advertising is working, but you're not sure which half, we can help. We're Higher Power Marketing, and we help our clients identify which advertising works and which is wasting their money. And then we fix what's broken so they can get more bang from their advertising buck. If you're not sure which half of your advertising is working, call Higher Power Marketing for help at 800-300-9124. That's 800-300-9124. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're tuned in to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. 
Reach out to us with questions and comments at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or connect with Peter via email. The address is businessrules at hpowermarketing.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to this week's Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. My guest this week, Greg Suarez from Wells Fargo Advisors. Give a little bit of a little bit of a, a, a pump for the uh, for the company brand. Um, and uh, before the break, um, we heard a bunch of different great stuff as background um, on Greg's experience and kind of his life that led him up to and including financial planning. And uh, and you know we're going to talk uh, now just literally get into um, his wheelhouse, which is um, the markets, financial planning, the economy, and, uh, and you know, going into and, and taking a look at this, um, you know, symptomatic, and I think I mentioned this in the, in the, uh, in the uh, just the show opening about the, uh, uh, the stock market and just going great guns. Um, where do you see the U.S. economy headed? Um, Three months, six months, you know, eighteen months, and I'm I'm not asking you, you know, to to put yourself on the line, and I'm not going to hold you accountable. And I know that you know, you know. Oh yes, you will. <laughs> Actually, I will because I'll tell you this, and it's and it's something where you should know this as well that you know, Greg is my financial planner, so I will hold him accountable <laughs> for results, but not for predicting the U.S. economy. But give us some insight into what you see and 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 your observations on it. Yeah, you know, I I, I read a lot and uh, just reading a lot from uh, economists, um, this expansion has really started um, since, I would say, March of 2009. And the economy has grown tremendously. Uh, the U.S. Uh, economic expansion that began in 2009 is already the second largest on record. So, you know, this begs the question of longevity. When? <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, most, most um, strategists, economists feel that we are in the final third of the economic expansion here in the U.S. Okay. Uh, if you want to use a ballpark analogy, who knows? You know, maybe the seventh inning, eighth okay. inning. Okay, yep. Uh, it's, but... It's just the cycle of life, right? And, sure. And the cycle of business cycles. So we're we're probably we're, we're mature at this point. Yep. Okay. So you know, if we if we extrapolate out the time frame, and you're saying that we've been in expansion and top of the first, you know, looking at baseball, if you want to kick, you know, if you want to take that, and mm-hmm. we're in the seventh somewhere. Yeah. Um, so you know, are we thinking, you know, 2018 is the swan song, 2019, and we're going to see um, a dramatic slowdown, um, you know, a, a slight slowdown, and kind of like, you know, a breather, and then come back again. Um, I mean, what's what's your sense of things? Yeah, that's really hard to predict. I mean, it seems like yeah, 2018 is setting up to be a year that. Uh, we will have uh, good economic growth, uh, GDP probably, you know, heading around 3%. Wow, that's actually pretty US. good. Yeah, and, uh, but beyond that, it, it's, um, it's, it's really hard to predict. I mean, again, you know, most economists uh, say, you know, this, this tax um, change that just occurred 
um, will be a stimulus to the economy. Okay. But since we are near full employment, it's unlikely to give us too much of a boost long term. And in fact, it, it might even cause um, debt levels to go higher and inflation levels uh, could, could grow faster uh, mm. than otherwise, you know, without tax cuts. And, and thereby, it could raise the risk of a recession, you know, as we look out to 2019, 2020. Um, it's you know very dynamic, and I, I think you know the first part of this year anyway looks looks very healthy. So when you you know one of the things you mentioned was that we're at or near full employment, and um, and we've we've had those uh, those times a few times in our in our business cycles and and expansions before. Um, what is the uh, what is the essence of that that drives inflation? Because um, you, you you know you make it sound as if there's a correlation, or maybe even a cause and effect. What's you know what's the what's the linchpin there? Well, there's uh, it, several factors, but one would be uh, as we approach full employment, there could be signs that you might have uh, inflation within wages, right? And we've been seeing sure. more and more companies talking about. Um, paying, raising raising the minimum and, and, wage and or paying more bonuses. They're they're, they're needing to retain yep. employees. Yep. And so, if we start to get that wage inflation, that that could be one catalyst. Okay. Um, yeah, to, to keep people or to lure people away from others because you've got an extremely small pool of available people for hire. Yes. Uh, you know, other traditional. Um, things that can cause inflation is that you could have, uh, you know, commodity prices um, go off the charts. And <laughs> um, so, you know, perhaps a U.S. dollar that just um, goes much lower than where it is today. Gotcha. Okay. So, I mean, there's, there's actually a lot of moving pieces to all of this, and I don't want to get bogged down in the minutia because I don't think that's our purpose here today. We mm -hmm. could actually probably have, oh, I don't know, like, 40 or 50 shows if we wanted to get into that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't, most economists don't really feel that inflation is is going to be um, too much trouble here in, in 2018. Okay, well, that's good to know. Yeah, and as far as commodity prices, um, it's, you know, these cycles occur. It's usually, it could be up to 20 years that you have um, cycles where, um, commodity prices are in an uptrend or downtrend. And um, we've been in a downtrend, um, I would say, um, since 2009, but prices are leveling off right now. But we could still, we could still have another six or seven years before commodity prices really start to um, get away from us. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's, uh, I, you know, it, it's funny. I think I've probably... Um, probably seen that in operation, but I don't think I ever applied any kind of uh, length of time associated with rise and fall of commodities prices. So that's, uh, that's really interesting to know about that. Um, you mentioned about the tax code and, uh, and some of its effects on the economy. Um, if, you, if you shift your view a little bit and say, okay, so, you know, that's the macro view. If you take it down and just look at a segment of that and we look at um, how that would affect 
someone's investment decisions, um, what suggestions would you have for someone um, based on that? So let's see. Uh, <laughs> so just based on, you know, I, th I think these tax changes that have occurred, it, it's going to help corporate profits, right? I yep. mean, if, if you're, you know, if you're a business and now um, you could save a whole lot of money on, on not having to pay that tax liability, mm -hmm. uh, that could help corporate profits and, and in turn, you know, there is a long-term correlation between how corporations are doing and, and their stock prices. So that could give us some more room to see uh, some prices continue to, to move higher. So investing in, in good companies um, could, could be beneficial under that environment. I'm not really sure in terms of um, there could be some winners and losers. I, I need to really um, kind of examine and, and see how everything plays out in the next uh, couple of quarters. And, sure. and really for, the, for this year, I'm not sure uh, there might be, for example, areas in uh, real estate that um, don't really benefit as much from some of the new tax laws. So Interesting. So, um, so I'm not sure how, how supportive it might be for housing, for example. We will, time will tell. As far as, far as either investing in, in house home builders or investing in a house as an, as an investable asset. I, I think both. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, you know what? It's something where um, my wife and I uh, take a look at our house, and, uh, and we've always considered it to be our shelter. Um, it has not been something that we've looked to own and pay off and flip and, you know, do whatever else with. Um, it's, you know, it's first and foremost um, where we seek protection from the elements and it's home it is it's home and you know quite frankly living in hell um for you know at least june july and august here in phoenix because it gets really hot um it's important that it you know that it keep us relatively cool um so um haven't ever really looked uh at at home ownership as uh, as an investable asset, even though it has turned out that way, and we're very fortunate um, to have it be that way, um, that was not our primary driver in in our overall purchase. And I know that runs kind of counter to a lot of what happens in the marketplace. But it's interesting to hear you talk about the fact that you know the tax tax changes may or may not um, make it you know less desirable to have something as like real estate as uh or a home or or just you know the ability for home prices to continue to 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 move higher sure uh you know i think the very low interest rate environment that we've been in have uh elevated many asset classes in, including real estate yeah including our homes Yep, I would definitely see that. I would definitely see that. Um, that's that, that's actually really kind of an interesting insight. Um, we're actually coming up pretty close to um, to our next break. So, but before we go, um, I would like uh, you to tell the person listening on the other end of this, either in their car, or in their office, their home, wherever it is they may be, how they can reach out to you, and you know you can. 
tell them whatever you want, whether it's, you know, crystal ball, seance, telephone, email, however you choose. I think probably, <laughs> you know, given uh, the format here, probably a telephone number, um, which, which is 480-443-5748. That's 443-5748. 480 area code. That's in Scottsdale, actually. Well, yeah, Scottsdale, Arizona. Scottsdale. Um, <laughs> it's a great address. Um, and uh, and actually, you know what? I would say write that number down. And uh, Greg, why don't you give it to us just one more time? Sure. 480-443-5748. That's great. When we come back from the break, we're going to delve into um, things that are, I think, uh, definitely near and dear to Greg's heart. And uh, and actually really interesting for me too, and I think you'll find them fascinating, um, international markets and emerging markets. And they may sound like the same thing. Sometimes they are, but not always. We'll be back in two minutes. Stick around. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. If you think half of your company's advertising is working, but you're not sure which half, we can help. We're Higher Power Marketing, and we help our clients identify which advertising works and which is wasting their money. And then we fix what's broken so they can get more bang from their advertising buck. If you're not sure which half of your advertising is working, call Higher Power Marketing for help at 800-300-9124. That's 800-300-9124. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. What if you could save 55% or more on your TV advertising? We're Higher Power Marketing, and we can probably save you at least 55% on your TV ad buys. Don't believe me? That's okay. Just go to hpowermarketing.com and see and hear real success stories from real clients. Then ask us to show you how we can save you money, too. Go to hpowermarketing.com. That's hpowermarketing.com. Exceptional media for less. That's hpowermarketing.com. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You're tuned in to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. Reach out to us with questions and comments at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or connect with Peter via email. The address is businessrules at hpowermarketing.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. My guest this week, 
Greg Suarez, who has been talking about everything from the U.S. market tax code. And, um, and I know I promised you that we were going to be talking about international markets and emerging markets after the break. But we're going to take a little bit of a detour before we get to those markets. I want to hear something about something that's known as the dogs of Dow. And I'll bet almost nobody listening gets what that is. So that's why I want, Greg, give us, give us some insight into the dogs of Dow. Well, it's, it's an investment strategy that um, some people um, use. And, and basically, uh, you know, we look at, well, what hasn't performed well? Uh, 30 stocks within the Dow. And, and there, there could be certain companies last year, the one that I think was the the one that was the lowest. The dog. The, 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 the top dog. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, or, you know, goes to General Electric. And um, stock was down, I don't know, 40-some-odd percent last year. Oh, God. It really, um, I mean, I could think back um, when the stock was, I mean, it's been over 20 years. And the stock was $60. And today you can buy it for $17 and change. It, to, it, it fluctuates. Note to self, <laughs> GE. GE. Um, you know, there's reasons why it, 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 it's where it is. The question becomes, you know, will there be certain catalysts that could take the stock higher? Is there value? I think, you know, in the case of General Electric, there's value. They have good, good businesses. And uh, they do have a new CEO. They do have a new board. And uh, they're going to, um, you know, as part of their mission, to, to try to create shareholder value, whether that's breaking the company up, sure, restructuring in some way. Um, but the, the dogs are doubt getting back to that. It's, you know, you could say, well, what, you know, what are the top five? And, and then to um, employ a strategy or, or part of your strategy to say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up these stocks, not knowing, you know, when possibly the catalyst will be that these companies will turn around. But it's, it's, it's pretty easy. If you have a $17 stock and it goes up by, uh, you know, $1.50 or so, and it's paying a 2.5% dividend, your total return could be pretty good. Um, um, so I, th I think the upside is... Um, relative to the downside, interesting when you when you look at some of those companies. Yeah, I mean, pretty significant. If it was trading, something like GE was trading at 60 and it's down to 17. Um, I guess one of the questions is, you know, okay, so how much further will it go? Um, the good news is it can't go down that much further. It can only go down to seven, you know, can only go down 17 more, more dollars. Um, and then it's gone. And that probably isn't going to happen. So, you know, you take it from a, a pretty realistic perspective, and there's there's probably some good possibilities there. You know, personally, I like to I like to see um, in the case of General Electric. Not that we're trying to tout this one, <laughs> but we're talking about it that that there there is some something on the horizon that will be a catalyst to see the stock move higher. And I, in this case, I, I think there is some um, interesting things going on there that that if one has a two, three-year time horizon, I'd be very surprised if, if the stock wasn't higher as we look out, you know, 24 months, 36 months, who knows, you know. Sure. You, um, 
That's cool. But I love the I, I just love the whole the whole idea that there's a dogs I, of doubt I, strategy. I, you know, I also like to see the stock stop going down, and it's <laughs> been trying to stop going down. <laughs> uh, and what's interesting is that once once a company is in the especially last year where we had so many companies going higher, and yeah. if you're into the fourth quarter, and you're working with your financial planner, maybe we need to offset some of the gains that occurred. So if you did own General Electric and you didn't, you know, you bought it anywhere in the last three, four years, probably you have a loss. So there was a lot of tax selling going on. And sometimes that uh, puts additional pressure on already stocks that have been beaten up. So we did actually see a little bit of a bounce in, in GE in the very beginning of the year, and we'll see how things play out. Yeah, interesting. Um, gosh, you know, I, I had a thought while you were talking about, oh, yeah, the word almost. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I would like to see it, you know, if I own GE, I would like to see it not almost stop falling. I would like to see it stop Falling. But I get what you're saying as far as as far as looking at the strategy. Okay, so we could get lost in that and talk about that for we probably could talk about technical oh analysis <laughs> and where the 50-day moving average is. That's another program. <laughs> exactly. So let us shift our gears and get back from the detour back on uh, back on the road, and let's talk a little bit about um, uh, I guess you know, a couple of markets, so international and emerging markets. Give us a sense of, you know, let's, let's look at international first and then, and then move to emerging markets. Okay, fair enough. Uh, international markets have been lagging the U.S. economy uh, for some time. I mean, interesting that between 2000 and 2007, U.S. investors would have been well-served if they had more of their portfolio in international stocks. In fact, between 2000 and 2010, there was a lot of volatility in the U.S. Yep. And uh, they called it the lost decade of investing because essentially you saw a lot of volatility. And had you just you know, bought the index, the S&P 500 index, for example, you wouldn't have made any money for a decade. So, um, so international was, was uh, an important part of, of the mix. And... Um, sure enough, you know, as things go, you know, 2007 uh, comes along and, and uh, you know, a lot of money, ma money ma um, magazines that are out there and publications were talking about that U.S. investors should have a good percentage, maybe 25 to, I've, I read, to 50 percent in international. Hmm. Well, sure enough, the financial crisis comes along and international really has underperformed the U.S. stock market dramatically coming out of the financial crisis. So last few years been reading, a lot of analysts are, are very uh, optimistic about it because the valuations were very low. If you just took the top 50 stocks outside the U.S. compared to the you know, top 50 in the U.S., yeah. there was a lot of, um, they were trading at much better valuations. The dividends were stronger. Uh, where they are in their economic cycle, you know, going back to some of the analogies we spoke about, yeah. they're probably more mid-cycle or, you know, in the fourth or fifth inning. Okay. So still significant upside. Yeah. And I've seen, you know, just in, in the 20 years that I've been doing this, I, I've seen where the pendulum will swing. Mm-hmm. 
So you, you might, uh, you know, you, U.S. has been the place to be since the financial crisis. Um, and that's been going on for some time now. Prior, again, we spoke about international was the place. I think things are swinging where we're going to get outperformance if investors in the U.S., you know, look outside the U.S. for returns. Gotcha. I wouldn't, I wouldn't abandon U.S., but I just think right. it's important when you're, when you're analyzing the mix that you have that um, you, you look to see, you know, how much you have domestically versus internationally. Okay, so you've got the international, and the international is really big picture. Um, can you chunk it down, let's say in, you know, in 30 to 45 seconds, um, are there regions or countries that you would say um, you think hold out the strongest hope for, for the best returns? There are. Um, but I, for me, I, I leave that to my international managers to really, you know, look at that. But there's, there's certainly um, areas that look more attractive when, when, you know, when you're talking about XUS, it's it's a big, big uh, planet with yeah. uh, companies located all over the globe. But in general, emerging markets in 2017 produced um, probably they were top performing asset class. And back in, if we take it back before the financial crisis, back in 2005, emerging markets produced north of 30%. And then again in 2006, and again in 2007. So we had we had that kind of year last year, and uh, emerging markets may continue to perform well as we look out over the next 12 to 24 months. Um, with emerging markets, things have changed pretty dramatically since you know over the last 10 years. It used to be that there was a very strong correlation between emerging markets and commodity prices, but a lot of emerging markets have started to um, diversify their businesses into information technology, mm, actually it's mm -hmm. probably the largest sector, yeah. with energy and materials um, playing a lesser role. So I think that's, that's positive. Interesting, that's, uh, and, and that's kind of a, an amalgamation of international and emerging markets kind of, you know, boiled down into uh, one potential investor opportunity. Yeah, I, I like to have, you know, I like to have both. You know, I'll look at international as part of the allocation and see how much we have in emerging markets as well as more established, you know, again, more comparing to, you know, the top companies here in the U.S., Gotcha. That's that's really cool to know, and something I think uh, bears uh, bears following, and probably worth a really good phone call to you uh, to get more information on that. We're coming up to our next break, and uh, I know. I mean, yeah, you know, it's great wait, that wait. We, <laughs> I have more to <laughs> but, say. But wait, there's more. <laughs> that's okay because we have one segment after the break, and then we'll be wrapping. But we've got one more after this. But um, if you're enjoying the show, and I hope you are, um, that's good because I am too and I can tell from Greg that he is um, you can uh, you can read more of the stuff that 
that I write about on my blog if you want to uh, have an interest in hearing a little bit more about my perspective on things. And that's at hpowermarketing.com forward slash blog. Um, or you can seek me out on LinkedIn. And that's uh, just my name, Peter Feinstein. And, uh, and then you can find um, some of my ramblings on Twitter at hpowermarketing. And uh, those are the best places to find me. I'm on Facebook here and there. I don't do a lot on Facebook. But, you know, that's, that's not because of Facebook. That's just because of me. When we come back, we're going to hit into our last segment. And we're going to open up with um, uh, Greg's perspective on how investors um, can position themselves for inflation. We'll be back in two minutes. Get up, walk around, stretch your arms, stretch your legs, get the heart going a little bit, and then sit back down for our final segment. Two minutes, fast and quick. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. What if you could save 55% or more on your TV advertising? We're Higher Power Marketing, and we can probably save you at least 55% on your TV ad buys. Don't believe me? That's okay. Just go to hpowermarketing.com and see and hear real success stories from real clients. Then ask us to show you how we can save you money, too. Go to hpowermarketing.com. That's hpowermarketing.com. Exceptional media for less. That's hpowermarketing.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. If you think half of your company's advertising is working, but you're not sure which half, we can help. We're Higher Power Marketing, and we help our clients identify which advertising works and which is wasting their money. And then we fix what's broken so they can get more bang from their advertising buck. If you're not sure which half of your advertising is working, call Higher Power Marketing for help at 800-300-9124. That's 800-300-9124. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You're tuned in to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. Reach out to us with questions and comments at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or connect with Peter via email. The address is businessrules at hpowermarketing.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. Every week, we just we kick butt and take names. And this show this week is no different. My, uh, my guest, Greg Suarez from Wells Fargo Advisors, has been um, illuminating and entertaining us with uh, just kind of great insights that you probably don't hear in, uh, in the mainstream media um, because we're getting down to brass tacks. One of the things that we, um, that we talked about uh, taking a look at coming out of the break um, was um, 
how investors um, could consider positioning themselves for inflation. So we've got the Fed that meets, it seems like, you know, I read the Wall Street Journal, and it seems like there's something about the Fed, well, every day, at least every week, but I know they don't meet any more frequently than, you know, what, once a month, once a quarter? Um, what's, you know, first talk a little bit about the Fed and inflation, and, uh, and we'll, kind of, we'll kind of just go from there. Yeah, I mean, the Federal Reserve, I mean, they have a couple of mandates. I mean, two mandates I can think of is full employment, and I think they feel like they're there on that. Pretty much. The other, the other thing that they watch is, is inflation. And, in fact, they've been trying to create some inflation coming out of the financial crisis. It's been a deflationary environment. So some inflation is good. But it's tricky. Um, so, you know, once inflation gets out of the bottle, it's kind of hard to get the genie back in. <laughs> it's not um, a good genie. So, you know, right now, uh, most economists that um, I've been reading expect that the Fed will continue to tighten. And uh, this year, we're looking at maybe two to three, two to four. <laughs> two to three is not a big range. So well, let's say okay, two to so, four. So when you say tighten in two to four, Rate hikes. Okay. Gotcha. And so it's dynamic. They'll have to see if all of a sudden they get a little bit, you know, some data and they get, they're starting to get concerned about inflation. Uh, you know, they may have to raise faster um, and, and maybe higher than the markets feel comfortable with. And that's where, you know, from, from an investing standpoint, things uh, that that's one of the risks, if you will. Okay, and so in in taking a look at that, um, and then taking the cues from what the Fed does, what can what can the average investor um, use as uh, as signals or indicators, or how can they prepare themselves better for the advent of inflation? Well, a few things. I I don't you know. With that said, I I don't feel that that's going to be a headline this year. You know, as far as U.S. inflation, you know, getting to the point where we're going to be reading a, a lot about that in the news. Um, but with that, I think you know proper diversity within fixed income. There are certain even uh, owning bonds that could be helpful. And one that I can think of is U.S. Treasury inflation protected securities. Sounds good. You know, we, well, we're in a business <laughs> of acronyms, so uh, TIPS, it's known as. Ah, okay. And um, so basically that, that uh, would help if we start to get into inflationary <laughs> times to own uh, those type of bonds. Most bonds um, in an inflationary time will, will um, not really perform that well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, other things like commodities. Um, we spoke about commodities a little bit. Right. Uh, commodities um, tend to be a good hedge. If we start to get into inflationary times, usually commodity prices are going much higher. A lot of companies that uh, focus in on on that materials and, and commodities as their business will wind up doing well. Some people feel that stocks are a good place to uh, hedge against inflation. Uh, what about um, I mean, as you know, as as the Fed increases rates, um, do banks and their financial instruments become reasonable investments again? 
Well, yes. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because we, we have spoken about this off, yeah. off mic um, <laughs> um, in the past that the banks have, have been performing well in recent past as we finally anticipate that rates will move higher. Uh, financials will uh, typically in that environment uh, have more of an ability to be profitable. And so, interesting, the financials, you know, banks have really, prior to the financial crisis, have always traded at a premium mm -hmm. to the general market. Yeah. And after the financial crisis, it's been trading at a discount. And we're getting closer to par now. Okay. But, you know, I wonder if in a rising interest rate environment, if now, you know, banks will start trading at a premium. So your, you know, J.P. Morgan's and Wells and Bank of America, right. Goldman Sachs, uh, could be a good place to be in that environment. Gotcha. Okay. You know, there are, um, I've got so many different questions running through my head. You know, literally everything from technology and, and how that applies um, to, um, you know, preparing for or what you see as the picture for retirees in, you know, the next 5, 10, 15 years. Um, but with, uh, you know, with only about two minutes left to the show, um, I wanted to hit on basically kind of come full circle because I started off, you know, talking about uh, the, the market and, uh, and the escalation, um, you know, hitting 26,000, heading toward 27,000. I mean, talk about this bull market and, and how long it's been. And I mean, what's your sense of it? It's interesting. Uh, you know, it's it, nobody, I mean, coming out of the financial crisis, I think a lot of people are very apprehensive to invest. And finally, um, after all these years, uh, nine years, it seems like the markets can never go down. So I think you have to, as an investor, be careful of that. Um, you know, that gets more into psychology and, <laughs> and, you know, we all feel a little more comfortable when the markets have risen to, to where they are today. Uh, but, you know, recognizing that this current bull market, if you measure it by the yeah. S&P 500, yep. will uh, be nine years old on March the 9th. Maybe I can come back then. <laughs> we could celebrate nine yeah. years. I mean, uh, that's, that's a long run. I mean, the last market run that I could think of that was slightly longer at this point was from 1990 to March of 2000. Of course, that didn't end well, as most bull markets don't end well. And at some point, uh, I could say with uh, clarity that 100% sure that we will have a correction. It's just that I'm not sure when that will be. Of course, you know, we're watching for signs, whether it's investor exuberance, um, which is probably a little bit more bullish than it has been for some time. Sure. But also earnings deterioration, looking at that, corporate profits. Corporate profits, we feel, you know, are expected to grow in 2018, but will they peak? Um, you know, uh, bull markets eventually lead to... Bear markets. Bear markets, exactly. Yep. So, you know, properly diversifying... Uh, yeah, I'm sure you've heard that, you know, regularly rebalancing back to a certain strategic allocation could help investors prepare for 
the inevitable downturn. And Greg, we are, we are sadly, we are out of time. We have literally filled an hour and it's been tremendous, which just lets me know that we have plenty of content for our next visit together and we will do a second show. Look forward to that. You know what? It's, it's been great having you as a guest and I'm so pleased that you've been here. Thank and I'm you. really, uh, and thank you. And I'm so thankful for you as a listener. Uh, please come back next week when we'll have more with Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. Thanks so much and have a great day. Thank you for tuning into Business Rules. Be sure to join Peter Feinstein for another enlightening program next Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a winning week.